from the indigenous peoples there, the coronavirus is an existential threat. And we know that uh, with the political situation in, in, in Brazil, this is seen as an opportunity by some for uh, mining and uh, deforestation, now that uh, everyone's attention is on the coronavirus. The Amazon, it's uh, two-thirds, well, it's over half of the remaining tropical rainforests of the world. So it's, I mean, the Amazon is the big battle to protect the rainforest and to, to do it in a way that supports all the indigenous populations living there. Hi, this is Forum for Change, a podcast about civil society around the world, produced by Forum CIV. I am Salome Oliva. And I am Carlos Cardenas. On this episode, Carlos and I are happy to welcome a co-host, our colleague Juan Camilo Peña, from Forum CIV's Regional Office for Latin America and the Caribbean. Together with Juan, we will bring you a conversation that he and Carlos led with Ulf Rasmussen, founding member of the Rainforest Society, a Swedish civil society organization that has worked for many years in the Brazilian Amazon. Hi, Juan and Carlos. How are you? Hi, Salome. How are you? Hi, Salome. Hey, but I think first up, uh, let's introduce to our audience our co-host for this episode, Juan Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure, Carlos. Uh, my name is Juan Camilo Peña. I'm from Bogota, Colombia, and I'm a subgranting officer for the Swedish Partnership Program. I work with the programs and projects that are being implemented in Latin America and the Caribbean. And a little bit about myself. Um, well, I studied political science at the National University of Colombia. I have been working at Forum Seed for almost six years now, and I enjoy playing football. I enjoy cooking and listening to podcasts. Another football player. Yeah. Um, Juan, it's great to have you with us on this episode journey. We will learn a little about the work that one of Forum Seed's partners organizations is doing together with local organizations and communities in the Brazilian Amazon. The unexpected alliances and the implications of the COVID-19 crisis for these communities. Let's start our sun experience into the tropical forest of Northern Pará in Brazil. <laughs> well, I, I got really involved in rainforests. I took part in founding a, a small group. It was called the Rainforest Group uh, at that time, back a long time ago, back in 1983, the Rainforest Group. And uh, I started uh, taking, uh, left everything else, took leaves of absence and traveled to Central America to the rainforest there. Then one year I came to uh, uh, Brazil, I went to the Peruvian Amazon and uh, entered uh, Acre in the Brazilian Amazon. And, and, and then I was sold on the Amazon. This is where I want to uh, get involved. So then it's been uh, like that for uh, 33 years, uh, up to three visits a year. Ulf Rasmussen is a founding member of the Swedish civil society organization Rainforest Society, or Rengskogsforianing, that aims to protect the tropical forest in the Amazon. 
Many years ago, Ulf, a public server, inherited a forest property in Sweden, 300 kilometers from Stockholm. He decided then to take a leave of absence for one and a half years to live next to his forest and work it, with chainsaw and planting. He quickly grew interested in how to combine forestry with the protection of nature and species, which led him to several interesting books that addressed issues related to the rainforests and the huge threats upon their biodiversity. It was after reading a book titled The Sinking Ark that Ulf decided that, quote, rainforests is what I want to do. Always as a volunteer, he spent seven years raising awareness in Sweden about the rainforests and co-founded the Rainforest Group Organization, which later became the Rainforest Society. With a few months' leave of absence from his government job each year, he traveled to rainforests to learn more, first in Central America and then the Amazon. Later. When rainforests became a hot topic in Sweden, he was hired by the Worldwide Fund for Nature Sweden to work as a tropical forest officer, which he did for 11 years. He moved back to work with his rainforest society, his interests in biodiversity expanding to indigenous and forest populations, climate change, later improved cattle farm management, and a lot more. It's a privilege. It's a huge privilege to have this uh, possibility to, to, to work with the Amazon. And the project we are developed now with ECAM is by far the single most uh, important and valuable project I have ever been involved with. It's so, it's so multifaceted from indigenous peoples to Kilimbolas and their non-contacted peoples that we are indirectly, we are supporting, uh, helping them survive by not letting them be contacted. And then we have uh, everything from small cattle owners to large wealthy ranchers. We have the municipalities, we have uh, companies. Uh, I mean, there's everything here. And it's an area two-thirds the size of Sweden. I mean, and the challenge is to have this stay forested in a way that gives sustainability. It's a long-term thing. Okay, wait. Before we go further into Ulf's analysis, I would like to have a clearer picture of the territory where this project takes place. You both were there, Carlos and Juan. Could you describe it to us? Yep. In fact, me and Juan visited some of these locations and organizations of the project a year ago on June 2019. And actually, it was a very powerful experience to get to know firsthand some of the components of this project. Well, Salome, first of all, it's important to understand that the Amazon in general is connected by rivers. And of course, some of them are real water highways. As you are traveling towards the region of the project, these water roads get smaller or more precisely, less big. As the site of this river is beyond belief. Our visit started in Orochimina, the second largest city of the state of Pará, with approximately 60,000 inhabitants and a big regional port for the extraction of soy and bauxite on the banks of the Trombetas River. From Orochimina, we went upstream sailing the Trombetas River, passing several small settlements and visiting Boa Vista, a small town that is literally a few hundred meters apart from one of the biggest bauxite aluminum mines of the region. 
In fact, uh, Minería Río del Norte, the mining company owner of the Trompetas Mining Project, is the largest operator of bauxite mines in Brazil and the fourth largest in the world. The 18 million tons obtained annually by the company represent almost half of the national production of Brazil. After a long trip on a high-speed boat, we finally arrived in Cachoeira Portela, a small town founded and inhabited by Quilombolas, located at the confluence of two rivers, Trombetas, Cachorro, and Mapoeira. If you go upriver on any of these three, you will encounter many small indigenous villages, more isolated as you go further. The next day, we also visited Tawayana Village, a YY indigenous community upstream on the Mapoeira River one of the most distant communities directly participating on the project. But wait, uh, who are the Quilombolas? The Quilombolas, Salome, is the term used by Brazilian descendants from African slaves, who after escaping, established in isolated settlements which they called Quilombos. That's why they're called Quilombolas, the inhabitants of the Quilombos. There are approximately 15,000 Quilombola communities spread all over Brazil, not only in the rainforest, but all over the country, many of which struggle for the right to own their lands, as it was established in 1988 in the Brazilian constitution. Let's hear a little bit more about the Quilombolas in Brazil. The current government is supported by agribusinesses and wealthy landowners. Many don't recognize the definition of quilombos and say land claims should be better regulated, that most quilombos don't have official land claims. The Quilombolos say they face their greatest threat since the 1888 abolition of slavery. It's a process of resistance that's prevailed for more than 400 years. With all that's been happening in our politics recently, that resistance has to grow a lot more. Daniel Schweiner, Al Jazeera, Sao Paulo State, Brazil. Forum for change. As we reported last night, the epicenter of COVID-19 is now Brazil. Mounting deaths, distrust in government data and anger have consumed the streets of that nation's largest cities. But what about the Amazon? Yes, of course. I mean, it's a it's a huge e event, the Corona crisis. So uh, we are uh, following it uh, as closely as we can from the Rainforest Society uh, and accompanying it uh, in, in close contact with ECOM. Officially, it is played in very different ways in Brazil. If we start on the political level, there are Amazonian states like Rondonia, where the, the governor is closely linked to the, the president of Brazil. So they are following the guidelines of not doing a lockdown. Then you have a, a state like Maranhão, an Amazonian state where the governor is going in a total contradiction to the policies of the president. In Pará state, where the bulk of our project is located, it's in between. The, the governor is not going in contradiction, but still imposing a lockdown of the kind of the Pará state thinks should be done. And in, in effect, the, the, the differences are not so big as you might think from the official statements of the, of the governors, because uh, it is more Twitter wars, political wars on Twitter. So uh, in effect, every state is more or less pursuing their own lockdown policies, which they are now loosening 
Almost every Amazonian state is loosening it now, whilst infections are still rising. So we are quite afraid of what will happen. Maybe if you could go more then in detail with, if you could describe a little bit more specifically on, on the Pará situation and also in relationship with the federal government. Well, uh, Pará, the governor there is not linked to the, the president, but they don't want to make a full contradiction because the Pará government is partly dependent on uh, financial aid from the federal government for to handle its debt amongst other things. So um, it is not uh, the moment for a contradiction. But so the Perez state has, has, has made lockdowns, but really the most important policies are made at the municipal level. So Arishimina, which is uh, the town, a regional town, which is uh, at the center of much of the project activities, has imposed a fairly strict lockdown on its port. Most of the traffic comes by the rivers, And it's 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 really a very full lockdown. So so um, cases are surging. The Brazilian Amazon is a hotspot in Brazil for the coronavirus. Brazil's Amazon rainforest, a home to thousands of indigenous communities, the custodians of an already endangered resource. But now they face a new threat. These have been fragments from an ABC News report on June 2020 by James Longman. Like the rivers that run through it, the pandemic is spreading across the Amazon. Manaus, just up the river, is a busy tropical metropolis of around 3 million people, a hub of international trade and tourism. It was the first place in Brazil where coronavirus looked to be out of control. The state of Manaus currently has more than 50,000 infections and upwards of 2,200 deaths. In Brazil, the pandemic started in big urban centers, Rio, São Paulo, but also in the Amazon, in the big urban centers of the Amazon. This is Vasco van Rusmalen, executive director of ECAM, telling us something about this topic on the Global Voices webinar organized by Forum Civ on June 30th. In the northeast, such as Manaus and Belém, which uh, are cities that have two to three million people populations, and they were tremendously impacted uh, in the first months of the pandemic. In cases like such as Amazonas and Manaus, you had numbers that are compared to small countries in terms of COVID cases. COVID-19 may be a modern pandemic, but it's highlighting age-old inequalities. Like marginalized communities all over the world, Brazil's indigenous people are hoping a spotlight has now been shone on their hardship and it won't be turned off. James Longman, ABC News. Amazon. The health system is poor, and uh, you have the rivers, populations concentrated in the, along the rivers, which uh, facilitates the spread of the corona. So, despite the lockdown, it's a fairly big spread of the uh, corona in, in Pará state. There were 3,000 dead in the state uh, when I heard last. In, in terms of the actual project, it's quite dramatic. Uh, Juan, uh, maybe you could tell us a little more about the project and the partnership that Ulf has mentioned. Yes, Salome. Uh, as you already mentioned, the Rainsforest Society, or you will have to pardon my Swedish, that ranks food in England, is a Swedish civil society organization uh, that aims to protect the tropical forest in the Amazon. They work in partnership with the Equipe de Conservação de Amazonia, 
ECAM, a Brazilian civil society organization, and they work together with local indigenous communities and black communities, also generating networks and alliances with other organizations, as well as public and private actors in the region. Currently, both partner organizations are implementing a project in the Carib Eco Corridor in northern state of Pará. The project seeks to promote the long-term integrity of the Carib Eco Corridor, which uh, with 28 million hectares is one of the world's largest rainforest conservation regions. We visited them to have a follow-up encounter with them and also to gather information from the project, which is funded by our Swedish partnership program, or as we call it, SPP. Yeah, you both have mentioned the SPP or Swedish partnership program. Um, so could you tell us a bit more about this program? Sure. Uh, Forum SID, Swedish partnership program, supports the development cooperation projects with a right-based approach. The, these projects are implemented in partnership between a Swedish civil society organization and a local organization in the country where the project is implemented. And it's important to highlight that all SPP projects are expected to contribute to a strengthening civil society actors' capacity and the Swedish government civil society organization strategy. Forum for change. The indigenous peoples here, they have not had contact. It's not many decades of contact with white people. When contact was uh, made, it was a disaster for them. And their internal structures of hierarchy and power and decision-making were destroyed. The old people, they don't speak uh, Portuguese or very poor Portuguese. So uh, it's the young people who can uh, manage better. And we have to, had to help them build up new organizations, basically. Uh, whereas the Kilombolas, they are more integrated, if you want to say, in society. And their organizations have grown more organically out of them, which means that the organizations of the indigenous peoples, they are not as strong, they are growing stronger, but they don't have the same control, which is why we are having all the training for environmental agents, for example, so they get to rediscover their lands and uh, feel a measure of control over it, but it still, uh, still needs to be developed strengths. And uh, we will be doing that. Will be done in the in the years ahead. And uh, a full lockdown was made of Cachoeira Portera, meaning that uh, traffic could not come into Cachoeira uh, Portera on the rivers, and traffic uh, could not come in from the the rivers. And it's so important that there is this lockdown because it means that the virus is not transmitted up the rivers along all the indigenous villages there, fragile indigenous villages. And for the, for the indigenous peoples there, the coronavirus is an existential threat. And 90% of the indigenous peoples were wiped out. They died at the contact with the white people from measles and uh, tuberculosis and other diseases. And not only that, but these villages, 
They had contacts with their fellow tribes people all the way up to Suriname and Guyana. So we're talking about scores of villages. I mean, most of the villages are small, 50 people, 100 people, or even less. But there is one village, Mapuera, with 1,400 people, and it would be a disaster if it came there. I mean, it is an existential threat. We have non-contacted indigenous peoples. And we know that uh, with the political situation in, in, in Brazil, this is seen as an opportunity by some to sneak out and uh, you know, go in for uh, mining and uh, deforestation now that uh, everyone's attention is on the coronavirus. It is a rare inside view of a story the world has been watching since the Amazon began burning last summer. Thousands of fires raging across Brazil. The Amazon rainforest is taking a beating. Deforestation rates have nearly doubled. One report claims that the equivalent of three soccer fields are being deforested every minute in the Amazon. As the world reacts to the Amazon's destruction, indigenous Brazilians are on the front lines of the fight to save their land. After Bolsonaro took office, he moved the demarcation of indigenous lands from the National Indian Foundation, FUNAI, to the Ministry of Agriculture. The government says this was done to centralize officers, but the act raised concerns amongst groups including the indigenous communities, international governments, and the UN. In the Brazilian Amazon lives over 900,000 indigenous people in 471 recognized communities, of which 100 are uncontacted or isolated. This was an extract from Nightline a show from ABC News. Now, let's hear a fragment of a news clip from CNN. Much of the deforestation happening in Brazil's Amazon is illegal and there's not much accountability. In 2018, more than two billion US dollars in fines were forgiven. In Brazil in general, and for the indigenous communities in particular, poverty and income inequity levels remain very high. An emergency committee was set up, facilitated by ECOM, and with the, the Quilombolas, the black slave descendant communities and the indigenous organizations, it was coordinated by them. They invited in other uh, organizations uh, from the big mining company there, MRN, to the forestry companies, municipalities, NGOs, also donations were made by the mining company and uh, a few of the forestry companies uh, that could um, pay for those supplies to be sent, plus that the municipality managed to access some, some funding for it. The cargo boats with emergency supplies that were sent out, those boats, they left Cachoeira Portier with food and medical supplies, disinfectants, and they left off their supplies at specific points, but not in villages. And there, the indigenous peoples came on their canoes and fetched those supplies. So it's quite dramatic. And not a single virus transmission has been reported from any of the indigenous villages upstream all the way to Suriname and Guyana. And we do have internet access with some of the villages. So we believe that is the case. There's been no transmission. Unfortunately, some time after talking with Ulf, the situation in the Brazilian Amazon region had gotten worse and the disease was already spreading on indigenous communities. As the city's urban areas were being hit, the virus started spreading out. This is again Vasco van Rusmalen, 
Executive Director of ECAM, during the Global Voices webinar organized by Forum Civ on June 30th. In the case of Pará State, in the Brazilian Amazon, from Belém to the roads that transport soybeans uh, that are used for extraction and for the transportation of goods coming out of that state. And so it's moved, moved into smaller municipalities, smaller smaller towns, sounds that have 50,000, 100,000 people, where you have also large operations. What you had in Amazonas and Manaus is you had the expansion of the disease or the distribution of disease along the water highways. The Amazonas doesn't have many roads, but it has many water highways. And what we see from there, what's happening today, which is really worrisome, is that it's moving out into uh, the vulnerable populations that are in the rural areas. Uh, and that includes indigenous peoples. So in the case of, just in the case of Manaus, over 1,300 indigenous peoples are already confirmed with COVID. At the same time, you also have the expansion of, of the pandemic and other traditional communities such as the Quilombola. And that really gets to a point what's one of our biggest worries is, is invisibility. As the urban centers like Manaus and Belém are starting to go past the curve, there have been a lot of reopenings uh, in, in these cities, but the disease hasn't gone away and its impact is continuing, especially in these areas which are much less visible and into these communities which, which are much less visible, which are invisible in many ways. And the impacts go beyond uh, health. Uh, they one of the big worries right now in the rural areas is food security. It is one of the ones that we are most worried about. Just a few days ago, Olga updated us on the situation in the Brazilian Amazon. The effects of the pandemic are the worst in Brazil on a per capita basis. There are 18,000 infections and 570 deaths amongst indigenous peoples in the country, with the vast majority along the Amazon and its tributaries. However, Ulf is relieved that although there have been cases of infections in the towns, there has not been, as far as they know, a single infection amongst any of the project's target groups along the Trombetas, Cachorro or Mapuera rivers. Up until now, we have listened to Ulf, Vasco and Juan talking about the current situation on the Brazilian Amazon and more specifically about the region where the project that Rainforest Society and ECAM are implementing. Unfortunately, our time is up for now. Aww. But don't worry, this story is not over. Yes! In the second part of this episode, we will delve into the project's challenges, successes and opportunities to face the current crisis and contribute to a sustainable change for the Amazon region in Brazil. Stay tuned for the second part of this episode. This has been Forum for Change, a podcast about civil society around the world. Produced by Forum Civ as part of the Swedish Partnership Program funded by CIDA, the Swedish International Development Corporation Agency. If you want to know more about the podcast or this episode's contents, please read the description box. To know more about Forum Civ, take a look at our website, www.forumcivv.org. We hope you join us in another episode soon. You can also follow us on social media as Forum Civ. I am Carlos Cárdenas. And I am Salome Oliva. And I'm Juan Camilo Peña. Until next time. <laughs>